Hour number two, kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. We appreciate White Claw Hard Seltzer for their support. Pick you up one of their OG variety packs. Only 100 calories, and it won't weigh you down. Dits, the old beer belly bloat. If you're like me and don't like beer, White Claw has been a, I don't want to say lifesaver, but it has made my evenings much better. We appreciate White Claw Hard Seltzer and Cherokee Distributing for their support. All right, let's kick off hour two with some stuff we might have missed from last night, Sam. Yeah, some big news in sports last night, particularly in the NBA. Uh, Joel Embiid drops 70 points, breaking Wilt Chamberlain's 76ers record. Uh, broke the franchise record of 68 points. And also some, uh, you know, another record as well. Carl uh, Anthony Towns scores his 62 points, that one in a loss, but some record-breaking performances in the NBA last night. A loss to the Hornets, too. He yeah, scores 62 right? points and loses the Hornets. Why'd they bench him? It, it was almost like they benched him. I saw that they benched him with like three minutes left. Oh, well, maybe he's just tired. I don't know. But <laughs> it, it almost felt like it was one of those things where they were trying to feed him the ball at the, you know, to, at the – Wanting him to score a bunch of points, but it was hurting their actual team, and that's why Charlotte came back and won. The Sixers, on the other hand, that was just a domination of of Wimby and the Spurs. It felt like Embiid was headed for you know eighty. I was a little disappointed that he only only ended up with seventy, but you saw two guys going off in honor of uh, Kobe's yeah. anniversary. It was the anniversary of his eighty-one point game, so. Yeah, you had a couple guys going out and shooting. And how crazy, you know, Durant gets forty three last night, and that's like pedestrian, right? Yawn. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Yawn. crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't really. It, do you have a problem with how many free throws Embiid shoots? He's a big old boy. He's a big boy, but he is a foul merchant, and it's not fun. And I do think that there's a part. That that's a big part of why the 76ers lose in the playoffs. That's a big part of why Joel Embiid has never made a conference finals. Now he was partnered up with James Harden, who deals with the same problem. Both those guys live at the free throw line, and refs are not going to call the same ticky tack fouls in the playoffs. They're going to make you man up a little bit. They're going to officiate you differently. And I do think that hurts Embiid. And I do think it hurts James Harden throughout his career. It is impressive that he's like eighty five percent free throw. No, he's a great shooter. Like that, yeah. and he's a great shooter, and he cashes in. And like Embiid's on one of the all time runs in terms of dominance of regular season stat wise. But you know he has to make a conference finals, man. And if they go up against the Bucks or they go up against the Celtics or even the Heat, I'm still gonna probably think that they're not gonna win that second round series, and that he's probably gonna come up short again. Although I will say, I do think he is now with the best coach he's ever had. I think Nick Nurse is the best, especially X's and O's matchups guy that he has ever had. No disrespect to uh, Doc Rivers, but I never thought of Doc as a real X's and O's guy. Did you guys watch any of that game, the Philadelphia game? No, I, I did saw, not. Yeah, I, I saw him check out. I saw a couple highlights, and like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Wimby also had thirty. They had thirty-three. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I just didn't know. You know, I figured that. You know, I saw some headline where he, you know, Embiid shuts down Wimby. He had, Wimby had thirty-three and seven. I mean, it's not not a bad night. No, but like you know, one of the main questions people had when Wimby was coming in is how can he handle big centers? Yeah, and. He did not handle the biggest center, and I think I saw a Popovich quote last night where it was like, "We're we're looking forward to like busting his ass all night." Or yeah, something the ass like going to hold him. Be said, "We're going to bust his ass," and uh, I don't know if he was being serious or being a little facetious because of how bad the Spurs are. He's just kind of having fun with it. But the there was a belt on someone's ass, and it was not it was not Embiid's that that was getting hit. It was the Spurs and Popovich and and Wimby. But, yeah, I mean, Embiid can do all this, and, you know, if he plays the game threshold, he'll probably have a really good chance to win his second straight MVP. But he is now in that position, much like, as far as I'm concerned, Josh Allen. Do it in the playoffs. It's nice to beat up on these teams, and nobody loves an overmatched regular season opponent like Joel Embiid. He'll go out and beat the hell out of teams like the the Pistons and, and, and like the Spurs, but do it against the Celtics. Do it against the Bucks. Do it then. The Miami Dolphins syndrome. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, and then last thing I'll say on that is with Philadelphia, the only difference maybe is the evolution of Tyrese Maxey because he makes that team, I think, a little better than they have been. And like you said, Nick Nurse is a top-tier coach. So, But they, they do. they gotta, they got to go deeper in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, you can say that about Maxey, and you're not wrong, but I still think when it comes to the playoffs, we'll still look at each other and say, yeah, we're not picking the Sixers. No, Maxey's not going to be the one that gets them over that hump. But it has to be Embiid, and I don't trust him to – a, hold up, B, be conditioned enough to handle 40 minutes a game in the playoffs and and being able to perform without getting to the free throw line 20 times. Next up, Sam? Yeah, I'm sure we'll touch on this one later here in the show, but obviously news out of Nashville. The Titans have got their guy. They went ahead and hired Brian Callahan from Cincinnati. Uh, like you said, John, the last to fire their coach, I guess, and first to hire someone. So Titans are... Well on the way with their plan, and you know, with this new vision in terms of Rand Carthon and, and Amy Adams there, uh, I, I like the hire. I think it's a good hire. I think you've got an offensive mind in there, a guy who's been able to, you know, to, to turn that Bengals team into one of the best teams in the in the league, and, and obviously he's worked with a lot of really great quarterbacks in his time. So I think I think the Titans have got a good one, and they've turned a page in terms of maybe becoming a little bit more of an offensive team. That's the hope. That's the hope. The That's hope the is hope. that the That's Titans can get back to scoring 30 points. Dear God, please, just one 30-point game. The streak has gone on long enough. Yeah, we'll talk more about that higher in, in the NFL coaching, uh, I guess, uh, coaching updates and such a little bit later. Yeah, uh, another one in the NFL as well. Ron Rivera interviewed for the Eagles defensive coordinator job. Obviously, they have fired their defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Uh, that defense was a, a big problem for the Eagles kind of growing up there. So we'll see uh, We'll see if Ron Rivera could maybe turn things around. I think that would be a, probably a, a really solid hire for them. Yeah, I feel like if I'm Ron Rivera, I just want to go home and be a family man for a couple of years, though. <laughs> like uh, Maybe, I mean, I, I guess no, no maybes to it. He's just a football guy that has been in the NFL basically his entire adult life. But at a certain point, the stress just has to be uh, a little too much. But. Go home and relax for a bit, man. You're not going to be a head coach ever again. Do you really just want to go right back to, into coordinating defenses? Maybe he loves it. Maybe he wants to keep going. Maybe he doesn't want to retire. Just take that buyout money and just go relax a little bit, man. Go to, go to the beach for a year and come up with some new concepts. <laughs> Last one. Uh, DePaul has fired their coach, Tony Stubblefield. Uh, he is the first coach that is that has been fired in, in the power conferences so far this year. Uh, a three and fifteen start for DePaul. Obviously, not what they want to, what they want to be going towards. He was twenty eight and fifty four in his two and some change seasons up there. Not good. It's a team that you know. I feel like DePaul has has had some pretty solid history in terms of kind of being a, a little bit of an underrated basketball program, and they're just right there in the the pit of college basketball right now with like Louisville and just some garbage programs. Yeah, they're stuck in the mud. And and you have to climb out of it. I did see a list that had Justin Ganey on there as a potential okay. head coaching candidate if they get down their list a little bit. So that could affect Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw Bryce Drew, Bobby Hurley, which I wouldn't understand why you'd leave Arizona State for DePaul, but yeah, particularly going to the Big Twelve. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, and Sam's right. I mean, for me, growing up, that was a that was a legitimately tough program. And you know, they just you look at Ken Palm. They they are far and away the worst rated team in a power conference in all of college basketball. And I mean, far below Louisville, far below Vanderbilt, who are bad teams. Bad. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to do there. Whoever takes that job. Um. This just came in in the last 10 minutes. What is it? What is it? What it's for, is it? It's for my wrestling buddy over here. Oh, yeah? Breaking news. What do you got? Netflix has reached a 10-year deal to stream WWE Raw for more than $5 billion. What? Yes. Netflix? Netflix. So Netflix is getting into the lapse. I don't want to say sports because some people get mad. It's not a sport. <laughs> no, but they have ambition to get into live, live sports. Yeah, live is... sports and entertainment. So Netflix, so $5 billion for 10 years? Yeah. So that's like, what, $50 million a year? I'm just kidding. 
I know it's five hundred million a year, not not fifty million. That was just a joke, guys. It's a big uh, big win for WWE. It feels like. Oh, it is, and and again, it it, it also underscores, in my opinion, that. Everybody talks about what's going to happen with networks in general in the future, sports networks, general entertainment networks, and they always put it in the hands of the people running those networks. It's not that simple now. It's these tech companies are coming in and disrupting. And I, I'd consider Netflix, you know, they're 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 a programmer, but they're they started based on a tech platform, you know, and and so they they were the originator of all this. So. Uh, and they are very committed to doing live sports in some form or fashion. This was probably what was most readily available to them, and it's a it's a flex move to show we're going to spend if we have to. They've overspent in the past on regular general entertainment content, mm-hmm. so now they're going to perhaps overspend on sports too. Yeah, I mean, the, the wrestling cable viewership numbers, I mean, it's typically around the 2 million viewers range per week, two episodes a week. So, I mean, like, it's... It's uh, it would be a big. Now I don't know how many of those two million are going to get Netflix. Yeah, or are going to make the switch over there. I don't know what type of impact the WWE Network has had, you know, for Peacock and their subscribers. Would I? I would imagine that. So it just said for Raw, right? So I imagine. For Raw. Okay, so they're going to have a deal with they're going to have a deal currently with Netflix, Fox, and NBC Universal. So they've got it spread out to three different. Yeah. Three different entities right now, so. Printing money. Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, one other thing that I'll add, and this is more taking me back to, uh, again, showing my age, but this guy was an icon, and it was a little bit of troubling news yesterday. There was a report that Ryan Sandberg, former Chicago Cubs player, Hall of Famer, um, was uh, announced he has m- prostate cancer, metastatic prostate cancer, which is, you know, that's doesn't mean it's game over obviously but that's that's serious and um wish him the best but that one kind of struck a nerve for me just because uh back when the cubs were before they won a world series and they were still lovable losers but they were winning for a while in the 80s uh ryan was kind of the the anchor of that team um so again wish that guy the best that was uh that was that's just one that just shows, again, I use that term, time marches on for everybody, and the, boy, that, that's one of them for sure. Always tough. Always tough when something yeah. like that happens, especially to somebody that makes you feel old, too. So, Yeah. But uh, put a bow on the top of uh, your, your segment, Sam. The Timberwolves head coach, Chris Finch, ripped his team and Carl Anthony Towns for disrespecting the game and hunting for Cats franchise record 63 points. So. Mm-hmm. That's why he got benched because they were just trying to give him the ball and just completely kind of ignored their and disrespected their opponent and ended up losing that game. So he had a pretty good press conference uh, tirade apparently about it. Breaking one of the unwritten rules of basketball. <laughs> I don't know if it's an unwritten rule of basketball as much as it's like, hey, we got to win this game. Actually, like you look really stupid when you're trying to do that yeah. and you lose. It's hard that they, it's crazy that they lost. That's always crazy to me whenever someone has the. Anyone in sports, no matter what sport it is, but it's just a record-breaking performance, and then their team loses that night. Send us a break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Still finishing up that fire in Rocky Top there in Anderson County in the 300 block of South Main Street. They had to get some help come in from uh, Campbell County, other officials uh, around the area there in Anderson County that uh, responded to help put out this fire. Again, traffic's blocked, 300 block of South Main Street there in Anderson County. Traffic's still moving right now, 75 over here at Merchants. Uh, it is a little bit busy between Callahan and Merchants, southbound 75. Hey, Buckner Plumbing in Knoxville is hiring. Call Buckner Plumbing today at 2379. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015, now serving municipalities and... Coming up at 9 a.m., we'll talk some more Tennessee ball with Grant Ramey from On3 VolQuest. Sam, I noticed you didn't uh, include the amateur golfer update, (laughs) by the way. He's just going back to Tuscaloosa to 
have a couple drinks with his buddies and then get right back to it. As he's skipping the upcoming tournament. Yeah, I, I think he's weighing his contract offer from Liv. I just uh, <laughs> noticed that you didn't didn't want to bring that up. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I still have a hard time thinking he's going to live for some reason. Yeah, I would hate to make a bunch of money. I, I would, too. I, I He'll make that. a bunch of money in the PGA Tour. Only if he wins. Only if he wins. He's, if, he, hey, if he turns pro, he's guaranteed and uh, – into like the rest of the signature events this year and mo- i think i don't know there's like five or six of them that don't have a cut basically so it'd be a guaranteed payday for him and those are the new like elevated ones where they're trying to compete with lives money and they're giving them like 10 or 15 mil to win the tournament type thing and i don't want to turn this into golf digest but <laughs> yeah I, I don't want to talk anymore I, about no, it but no, give me your, give me that thought no i have a question actually for sam because i i'm always interested in talking about this with anybody that's a golf fan are you a pro PGA guy or are you a pro live guy? Are you open to both? What's your what's your position on? He it? hates live. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty pro pretty, PGA, yeah. but no. I mean, at some point, if like enough talented players start going to live, like I think they do, just need to start to yeah. figure out some merger out because at some point it's going to hurt both tours. Yeah, and and I only say that because I Rom was a shocker to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that he, was huge. he was such a spokesperson for PGA last year, mm-hmm. and he was great at it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I guess obviously money talks. I mean, there's 100%. just not much you can do about that. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see that play out. You see, Bob, there there are life lessons in wrestling. You make fun of me for liking wrestling, but there are life lessons. The million dollar man once said, "Everybody <laughs> has their price, and and you just gotta find their price." And uh, they found John Rom's price, and and they'll find this amateur's price, and then people will go and make money. And uh, life lesson for yeah. wrestling. Yeah, million dollar man coming through, throwing down for us. That's yeah. good. All right, let's talk some college basketball. Tennessee new AP poll came out. Tennessee rises to number five, top five, Vols. Yes. Um, kind of a little bit of a movement week for the SEC in general. Tennessee goes up to five. Kentucky's at six. Auburn is now in the top ten at eight. We were talking about them yesterday. Um, I don't want to believe they're that good, but they are good. And um, now they're getting the recognition nationally, not just in Ken Palm and other places that's showing up on the polls. But Tennessee moved to five. I think everybody kind of expected that once Kansas got beat. Kansas dropped three spots that's a big fall for a program like kansas they're down to number seven but uh, only four spots actually i think they were number three and oh i think you're right yeah, yeah because Car- carolina was four that's right everybody from three on moved up a spot good point um so yeah that's for tennessee top five you know as it translates into bracketology uh we talked a little about that yesterday too i mean they're Showing up as a two seed, but I think, John, you were saying the latest Lunardi, Lunardi's Cliff Notes has them as maybe the highest two seed at this point. Yeah, he was calling them the, the fifth, his yeah. fifth seeded team. Of course, uh, one seeds, one, two, three, and four. And then you had Tennessee number five. So I took it as the top two seed. Yeah. And the Big 12, well, if I look at it as the future Big 12, they continue to flex. I mean, you know, Kansas dropped, like we said, but you got Houston, you got. Arizona starting next season. Um, Oklahoma moves over to the SEC, obviously, but then there's Baylor, there's Texas Tech, there's BYU, there's Iowa State. I mean, they uh, that is a loaded conference. Um, and the Big East, too. That's another one we could, we could talk about at some point because the, the Big East, they don't have that many ranked teams, but they are top to bottom just a gauntlet right now. There's some, some really tough conference play going on. So, uh, but but again, what we're seeing with the SEC, I, I went in thinking it was going to be one of the weaker years in the SEC. Well, we're seeing it. It may be just top-heavy, but there's some elite teams in the SEC right now. Yeah, three top eight teams Yeah, currently right now in the AP Top 25. Three teams ranked in the top eight. And then that's it. Nobody else is ranked in the conference. Well, yeah, but three teams. No, I got no. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, no. Three, I'm with you. Three yeah. teams in the top eight. Yeah, the rest of the conference. I mean, your your other teams aren't really pulling their weights. I mean, I know Alabama. We, we've talked about them metrically, but they're just not winning games. I mean, eventually you have to just win games. And Arkansas has been getting their ass kicked, and and Florida hasn't done anything, and and A and M's been disappointing compared to where we thought they were in the preseason. So yeah. Uh, four, four through eight, four through ten, not really pulling their weight, but yeah, the, the top three, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn, 
they've been kind of your most consistent over the last handful of years, and here they are again, all three in the top eight. Yeah, and two Big Ten teams that we should be keeping an eye on because it'll help us figure out Tennessee and seeding down the line is Illinois and Wisconsin. Two Big Ten teams that Tennessee has beat. Illinois is still at number 10, and now they're, they're back at full strength with Terrence Shannon back. And then Wisconsin lost a game last week. They'd been really on a rise. Uh, they'd gotten up, I think, to number 11. They dropped to 13. But okay. still, they're, those are two strong teams. Um, it's good for them to keep winning in terms of helping Tennessee's resume. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we fully appreciate the run we are on when it comes to Tennessee basketball. Like, you know, I started the segment by saying Tennessee basketball is now ranked number five. And we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, ho-hum, top five team. Like, I've been at, at times as critical of Rick Barnes as anybody, although I, I, I will say that I have quickly fallen down the the rankings in terms of, of people that wanted to see more from Rick Barnes. And, you know, I, I kind of – it clicked with me of just, you know, you could complain about March, you could enjoy the regular season. And I've made a real effort over the last five or six years just to enjoy – the regular season. Now the 2020 year or the 2019 slash 20 year is a little frustrating before the, the COVID, you know, ended the NCAA tournament because Tennessee would have missed that tournament. But outside of that, like we've had a lot of good regular seasons, man. And I saw, I saw a breakdown that kind of just put that into perspective from 2019 to 2024, Tennessee, where do you think they rank in terms of AP top 10 appearances? Not just being in the AP Top 25, because at one point, you know, that was something worth celebrating here in Tennessee was just being in the Top 25, being ranked, having ranked matchups. Right. I'm talking about Top 10. Just being a Top 10 team from 2019 to 2024. You know, we, we talk about Tennessee and I don't want to say blue blood status because we're not, we're not a basketball blue blood. I, I'm, I know that, of course. But I've always kind of said, you know, we are kind of in the – Currently in the 15 to 16 range. We're a top 15 program in college basketball today. Yeah. I feel that vehemently. I feel that I feel strongly about that. Like Tennessee is a top level program. But even I was shocked at where Tennessee ranked. So are you saying how many weeks? Yeah, how many weeks is how many weeks spent in the top ten over the last from 2019 to 2024? Where do you think they rank in the, the college basketball landscape? Where they okay? Sorry, where they uh, rank or how many weeks? Well, I'm, I'm asking where, where they rank versus other teams. You could okay. you could do weeks spent, but no, like I got you. you don't really have how many weeks total there have been. Yeah, on you know how many how many uh, total number there have been in terms of uh, I guess uh, I'm now confusing myself. <laughs> no, I, I follow. How many you. possible weeks you would you wouldn't know? Like, if there've been 150 weeks, 100 weeks, or whatever. Well, I'm just saying where they rank compared to other programs. I follow you because I, the reason I asked that question, I was having this very conversation with a friend of mine yesterday, and we were talking in terms of how many weeks do you think Tennessee has been, at that point we were saying in the top five. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't have that debt. I just got top Yeah, ten. Yeah, so so it helps me kind of make a, make a thought here. So I will say it appears the quick math would make me think there have been like 106 – Weeks or so, yeah, of the poll since 2019. But yeah, in the top ten, where do you think Tennessee ranks compared to other programs in the country? Fourth. Well, you ruined the game, Sam. I wanted you to be like twelfth, thirteenth. I fourth? would be like, I was gonna say, I was gonna say ninth or tenth myself. Yeah. See, that would have been a little bit better, Bob. Sam, Sam, fourth, just ruins it. Sixth. Okay. Sixth. Yeah, Tennessee. Comes in behind Kansas, Gonzaga, Duke, Baylor, and Houston. Those are the only teams that have spent more weeks inside the top ten over the last five years. Sam's a sheep, though. He uh... <laughs> Sam just wanted to ruin the game. He, he took the context clues of me doing this. Of, well, it has to be a high number since John Ducting looked. He's so surprised. Well, that's the point, no, Sam. It didn't take three minutes to explain how many weeks versus Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand, Sam. And and what you need to realize is that sometimes being right isn't as important as being good at radio. And if you just said 12th, 13th, I'd be like, no, man, 6th. 
Then you'd be like, whoa. I think I only said that because I'm pretty sure I saw this on my Twitter yesterday, too, and I was I was just really hoping that it was something high because I thought I remembered that. Kansas, Gonzaga, Duke, Baylor, and Houston. That's it. Wow. Tennessee, two two weeks ahead of Purdue That's and Kentucky. Kentucky and, du- uh, Kentucky and Purdue have spent 46 weeks in the top 10. Tennessee with 48. What's There's two things that surprise me. That, actually, what surprised me most is Kentucky's up there because they have not been really that proficient mm-hmm. the last four or five years. Well, they've still – They've, they've, they've been a little disappointing at times and early on in the season, but I will say Cal still has almost always had them clicking at some point in the season. And, True. And last year, I mean, like their embarrassment last year, or maybe the year before uh, my years are running together, was losing as a two-seed, right? So as a two-seed, you're most likely going to be a top-ten yeah. team. Like, I mean, so like they haven't broken through and gotten to a Final Four, and they're on a big drought of actual like tournament success. But they've still been pretty, pretty good in the regular season. Kentucky fans – that I talked to say ever since 2015, it's just been, you know, that was the year they were undefeated getting into the final four and Wisconsin took them out, but that, that it's just been a, 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 a precipitous downhill slide. If you talk to a Kentucky fan again, of course they got a little bit of Tennessee fan in them too, when it comes to basketball. So, sure. um, so yeah, they've, they, it, again, it speaks to why everybody's got their eye on them this year. They're very good, but that's interesting. Tennessee, I believe, the second lowest average ranking of those 10 teams. So, like, they haven't had as many highs, I guess you you could say. Like, they were ranked number one, of course, and the only team on the top 10 that that hasn't been ranked number one is Virginia. They've peaked out at two. But in terms of just average ranking whenever they are in the uh, the AP poll, Tennessee has the lowest average ranking at – at uh, or second lowest at five point nine, Kentucky. To your point, Bob, their average ranking six point nine. So so worse than Tennessee. And forgive me, you, you've mentioned the top five ahead of Tennessee, but I didn't. I don't recall here. North Carolina or Duke were not in there. Duke's number three. Duke's number three. Duke's Carolina number three. was not in there. Carolina's not in there. Which is another interesting one. Again, very good team this year, but they've had some rough sledding. I know they made Final Four two years ago, but that was kind of out of the blue yeah that was a bubble team right yeah, i mean yeah, that, they that made really it got into the tournament yeah. yeah yeah so i mean like they they made the run all the way to the national championship actually in the yeah. 18 20 point lead 17 point lead somewhere around there at halftime against kansas before choking but yeah i would imagine they didn't spend a lot of weeks in the top 10 right that week but like it's crazy to me like i know there hasn't been the level of postseason success that you want but when i say enjoy the regular season it is because of things like that you are a top ten program in the regular season, you might be a top six or seven program. Now, you know of these teams: Kansas, of course, national championship; Gonzaga, national championship appearance; Duke. Have they won a title recently? I can't. They at least no. made the final four, right? With uh, the, the time mm-hmm. they lost to Carolina, was in the final four, right? That's Correct. right. Baylor national championship. Has Houston broken through to a Final Four? Or do they yes. always they, they have, have gotten got one? Final okay. four, they got to a Final Four. Okay. Tennessee, no. Purdue, still no Final Four, right? Nope. Kentucky, not during the stretch. Virginia, I'm going to say not during the stretch either. Yeah, they won a title. Yeah, they won the title in, in 19. In 19? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, after they lost to a 16 seed in 18. Yeah. Okay, I, I thought maybe that was the year after where they had – I thought maybe they won the title in 18, and then the streak started in 19. Okay, so yeah, a title for Virginia. And, and Arizona, I don't believe, has made a Final Four during the stretch. No, they haven't. They've had some really good really teams. they consistent in the regular season. Yeah. 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 Arizona is kind of similar to Tennessee in, in recent memory of being a top-level team but just not having any postseason success. Because Arizona, they got knocked out early last year, right? They did. Earlier than Tennessee, right? They were first or second round. That last year wasn't the Princeton game, was it? Or was that two years ago? I know they lost to Princeton, right? They did. Was that Arizona? I think that was two years ago. But they've, yeah, they've, they do have a lot. They lost early last year too, though. It might have been to Princeton last year, but I know they lost early last year. So yeah, like I mean, when you're comparing those top tens, I mean, you you got a handful of national champions and Final Fours and all that. And of course, we know Tennessee hasn't broken through and done that. 59-55, they lost to Princeton last year in the first round. 
So you, I guess you could be Arizona. You took me back though with Tennessee, and I for I, I forgot about it, but um, that was if there were any happy outcomes with uh, that COVID year at all, it's that 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 season kind of got wiped out because Tennessee that was a that was a hard season, man. They were a tough watch that year. They they had the moment at Rupp Arena where we're focusing. I think yeah, scored like twenty seven right. or whatever, and you you had that. But outside of that, yeah, it was a really really disappointing season and just frustrating. I just remember how how much I loved Jordan Bowden as a sixth man in nineteen, and how kind of just disappointed, let down I felt with him as a as a as a frontline starter in 2019-2020, you know, yeah. it was it it just proves he was he was cut to be a different kind of player. He was a perfect fit for that 18-19 team. Well, it's kind of I mean that 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 team, that roster, that core was a frustrating as well just because you know, you you kind of had Fulkerson take some steps and at least score more. And I told you he scored 27 points in a rub. And then the next year he was kind of lost and on the bench. And, you right. know, like it was a – Bowden was the same way. And Lamonte had a similar end to his career and stuff. So, like, you, you had some of those guys – maybe it was just like, hey, these guys are better in a different type of role. And when you have Admiral and, and Grant and Bowen leave and those guys are asked to do more, like – Maybe you're supposed to be the fifth, sixth, seventh best player on a basketball team, and just because the first two guys, first two or three guys leave, doesn't mean you all of a sudden have to take that role. And I think Barnes, you know, kind of, kind of struggled in that cycle in terms of reloading and stuff. But, but since that moment, Tennessee has done a pretty good job of uh, being a really consistent regular season team, even with a back-to-back award week for Dalton Connect. Right, Dalton Connect bringing home some more accolades. After the past week, the Naismith Player of the Week and the second consecutive SEC Player of the Week award for Dalton Connect. Tennessee also got named somebody's Team of the Week. I don't know who that yeah. award was from, but said Tennessee was the most impressive team last week. I also read, bear with me, that, yeah, speaking of Connect, he's moved up to second in the odds on bet online ahead of Hunter Dickinson and Filipowski behind Zach Eady for Wooden Award. Yeah, the the list I saw, I believe, was on DraftKings. It was just a two-man race. It was Eady yeah. versus Connect. It was Eady like minus 700 and Connect at 20 to 1. But like basically saying like those are the only two options right now. The only two legitimate uh main guys that are that are, I guess, up for the award. I feel like that'd be worth a bet. No repeat winners like we've been saying in a while. If Connect can stay hot through SEC play, it, it, you got to stay hot, and Tennessee would have to go on a super run. And even then, like Edie might have to have a little bit of a injury, like where he misses a couple games. Yeah, yeah. Because you know how the you know how the media and the awards people and their Big Ten bias. <laughs> every year, every oh. sport, I, it doesn't hit the same now that Michigan's won a national championship in football. <laughs> but I mean. 23 points and 11 rebounds. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. oh, good for Zach Eady. He's in the Big Ten. He's playing against the powerhouses like Indiana. He's going to have to – he's got to get it right now because I, I'm still of the belief he's not really going to amount to anything in the pros. That's just not going to happen. No, no. This is – I mean, he, he can make money, you know, in the traveling circus or, you know, going overseas <laughs> and playing, you Come know. On. Playing overseas somewhere as an attraction, but yeah, in the NBA he'd get right off the court. You want to see a funny video? You can find it on social media. Is him and uh, Jaden Ivey doing like some, you know, TikTok dance thing? And you know, as you can imagine, oh, that's what I wanted to see. Yeah. Zach Eady dancing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It's it's bad. well, no, I think when you were saying you know the circus and everything, <laughs> him dancing <laughs> is not a pretty sight. Ivy's got moves and looks great, but. Uh, not not so much for Zach. Um, does that does Jaden Ivy cross over into my Purdue hate? Because he was only there for a year, right? Two two years. I yeah. liked Jaden Ivy. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. He's been disappointing in the NBA. Yeah, yeah he kind of has. Gonna, but that's but, what happens when you go to the Pistons. Yeah, I, I feel like it's more of a Pistons thing. Well, and and a, a weird draft pick anyway. They had Cade Cunningham already too. I just I, I did I never understood that, but. Uh, Ivy is one of my favorite Purdue players ever. Just how 
angry he played. I mean that in a good way too. He was he had a little bit of Westbrook in him or something. But. Yeah, I, I liked him. I don't think he made it into my Purdue hate, but Zach Eady, he is on my Purdue hate list. Mm-hmm. You we were talking about Hunter Dickinson, you know, there were only a couple of games last night. Carolina won big over Wake Forest, which surprised me a little bit, but Carolina's humming like we've said and Kansas got back on the good foot. They beat Cincinnati. Hunter Dickinson had 10 points, 6 boards. I mean, he's really uh, I mean, he's a good player, obviously, but he uh, he was probably at the beginning of the season, might have been right up there with Edie for player of the year candidates, and he's he's fallen fast at this point. Um, but uh, I don't know, I, and I'm not saying this as a Purdue honk. I, I think I think Edie wins it again. The the stats are just unless he gets hurt, like John said, or something, but. It's good to see our guy up there, though, connect. Second place is still good sometimes. I mean, oh, it's yeah. nice to have some recognition. I mean, yeah, second place is fun. For for a team that's always viewed by at least the fan base as offensively inept, you know, it's nice to say we got a guy that's that highly regarded, and that means he's got to be productive on offense, and of course he is. So I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, part of that fan base, I mean, that, that – Part of the fan base still doesn't appreciate Dalton Connect, I think, because, I mean, I, I sit across a cu- from a couple guys who was talking about how Antonio Reeves is just as good as him and doing things just as impressive as him. No, that's not what we said. Yeah, that's basically what was said. Sam, send us to break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Officials are still on the scene of that uh, fire there in Anderson County this morning in the Rocky Top area, 300 block of South Main Street. Again, that remains shut down because of fire apparatus. Traffic's a little bit busy over here now on 75 South at Mergence. All that traffic continues to build down from the north as it continues to pick up over here uh, up uh, across the uh, Buckharns Bridge on Alcoa Highway passing UT Medical Center. 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services right here in East Tennessee. It's Tomahawk Crane and Rigging online at TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving the... The segment is brought to you by Knoxville Smiles. Dr. Stephen Malone and his staff take pride in listening to and communicating with their patients to help you make the best decision about your dental health. Don't put off your dental visits any longer. They can do it all at Knoxville Smiles, from cleanings to wisdom teeth removal, fillings, crowns, bridges, Invisalign, veneers, implants, whatever you need. Contact Knoxville Smiles today at 865 539 1776. That's 865 539 1776. You can take a virtual tour of their state of the art West Knoxville facility at KnoxvilleSmiles.com. KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Uh, Sam, I'm with you. A little sprinkle on Dalton Connect to to win player of the year would be worth it just to see if he has goes on a complete tear in February be a fun bet to follow too you know like yeah. if he gets kind of hot and close to it you get real then, excited then we can fully root for the uh the big the big freak at purdue to roll his ankle you know just be sidelined <laughs> come for a couple on man games. come on he's a good kid he might be a good kid he's a big freak though i'm sure plenty of the the people at the circus are are, are good people he's got, at least start out as good people he's got good footwork man maybe he'll go ice skating guy. and he'll you know, break his arm or something. The bearded like lady's that. probably got some issues that she has to work her way out. But the the big tall freak uh, Zach Eady will fit right in. What is it they said during the ten- game against Tennessee? I love sushi. Is that what he kept saying? He loves sushi. Is that what they were talking about? I didn't see that when they were doing the walk with Jay Billis. I think, oh, I think yeah. they were talking about how no, he like right, uh, just eats right. his pregame meal is he just pounds sushi and after the game pounds sushi. Him and the bearded lady can eat it at the circus because he's a big freak. So, yeah, let's do it, Sam. Let's sprinkle a little bit of Dalton Connect. Maybe also get in the mix on on Nico. I've seen people talking about his Heisman odds. 15-1 to 1 to win the Heisman. What about that? What if Tennessee just rolled off both? I, I said that to my buddies a, a couple days ago, actually. Yeah, well, what if we just rolled off both in terms of National Player of the Year and followed up with a Heisman? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the guys that are ahead of him. Quinn Ewers, Carson Beck, I guess I get it. Putting a lot of stock in Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon. 
Um, I, I just don't know if I see that. Or Will Howard going to um, Ohio State, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, Milrow. I, I, man, that's, I don't know. It's a good bet, I think, honestly. <laughs> I actually would agree with that I think it's a good one. bet for next next, next year. There's no tall... Well, next next year, I think he'll be a favorite. Like, yeah. Next next year, yeah. I think he'll be one of the top two or three guys. There, there won't be a lot of value there. But I I feel like the Heisman, it, it, it almost always, or at least I feel like it comes from somebody that kind of comes from completely off the radar. It, it's hard to come in as one of the preseason like favorites, narrative-wise, and hold that. It's almost like the a Coach of the Year award of like, wow, this team was supposed to suck, and now look at this guy. Now... The Heisman, maybe that's not exactly true, but I just feel like you you need to kind of have a, a breakout year. Once you are an established star, it, it's harder to not get nitpicked. And maybe in college, it's hard to be like a, a standout star and then like have a full off season of everyone telling you you're a standout star, and then you come back the next year and you play at the same level. Like I don't know. I just think about Jadavion Clowney and the the off season we gave him, and then he came out and like didn't have a sack all year, and you know teams were teams he was pretty much ineffective. Think about Trevor Lawrence the year, you know, he was projected to be the Heisman winner, and I don't even think he I don't even know if he got invited to New York. What are Nico's odds again? Fifteen to one's what I saw, right? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Guess yeah. who came in this year at seventeen to one? Jaden Daniels. There you go. Now see, because was was would Jaden Daniels fit what I'm saying? Because like Jaden Daniels, he was on the Joe Burrow method of like, hey, he's around. It wasn't like they were new starters, but like no one thought of Jaden Daniels as a star, I don't think. Joe Milton was also seventeen to one at the I, beginning of the really? year. Really, yeah. like Burrow. Well, I think that's the sweet spot you need to be. I don't think yeah. you can be one of the top three or four guys. I think you need to be in that seventeen to twenty range, maybe twenty-five to one range, because you're at least on the radar, but you're not going to have the pressure of people dissecting everything you do. See, I and I thought going into the season, uh, I thought Jaden Daniels was kind of a fake. You know, I wasn't that impressed with him, but obviously he he turned in amazing numbers to win the Heisman, but uh, I'm surprised he was actually that highly ranked at 17-1. to 1. And I look at some of these people that are ahead of these players that are ahead of Nico, again, Ewers and Beck, I get it, totally get it. Gabriel, I don't, um, going to a new school. Howard, same. Milrow, I, I just don't see Milrow. We've talked about that. I just don't see Milrow flourishing in this. Alabama offense under DeBoer. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. So why not Nico, man? I, I really wouldn't that be an amazing story though? First year, you know, full full time starter, and that boy, that would definitely add to some uh, some lineage for Tennessee too, as a, you know, reputation. Then with McIntyre coming in and all the, I mean, it'd be awesome. Are we getting out ahead of our skis? Are we being unreasonable to say? That ten and two with a good shot at a Heisman Trophy finalist is kind of where we're at when we're projecting the 2024 season because it feels a little outlandish to say, but at the same time, it feels completely reasonable reasonable to say ten and two is on the table and making the playoff is on the table. And if you are the quarterback of a ten and two team with a really good offense. Especially after you know, compared to what the bar was last year, this past year where the offense looked, I, I do think that gives gives Nico a really good starting chance to to be in the Heisman race. I was going to say at least I, what I would give to see him in New York, and what would he wear at the at the ceremony? Pajamas, pajamas, and lays, and <laughs> everything else. Winning it, yeah, it's probably a stretch. Winning it's a stretch, I would say. But could he be a finalist? I, I think that's, you know, being in the top four, yes. I mean, I don't, so. I don't know if I even feel like winning is a stretch just because I do think, like I said, making the 12-team playoff, winning 10 games, and being on a really good offense, like, gives you, you know, it checks off a couple of the boxes you need. You said we got a phone call, Sam? Yeah, we got DR Vol here. Let's bring on DR Vol. DR Vol, what's up, brother? What's going on, guys? Good talking to you all. John, you were talking uh, earlier about Purdue players you hate. I'm sure you've got um, the insurance salesman in there, Ryan Klein, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, Ryan Klein, I, I hate that performance, but I didn't know him enough to really hate him. Um, and sometimes, DR Vol, you just got to tip your hat and 
Some of those threes he buried in Tennessee's face, you just got to tip your hat on. He's not a big, oversaturated circus freak like Zach Eady or a little little foul merchant like Carson Edwards. I hate both of those guys much more than Ryan Klein, to be honest. Now, let me chime in on Ryan Klein. Um, again, I, he offers great insurance. I love him. <laughs> yeah. He's got you've got family. you've got his jersey at home, Bob. I do not. I do not. No, what I'm going to say is he he was mostly a disappointment as a player when you were a Purdue fan. Uh, that game surprised me as much as anybody. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He, the, the Ryan Klein that, w- that I was more familiar with was the one that missed a key free throw at the end of the next game against Virginia and, in my opinion, cost Purdue a shot at the Final Four. Um, that's the Ryan Klein I was used to. But, unfortunately, for Tennessee fans, he went absolutely ballistic in that game, and, th- and that was very unusual. So I actually find him <laughs> – I find him hateable from that perspective because he did more damage than good. Um, but unfortunately, he did do good against Tennessee. He sure as hell disappointed me, Bob. That's for sure. <laughs> I see. I can't let that go because I love that team. Just like the Elite Eight team, uh, Draymond Green. I hate him because of that. Oh, yeah, um, I'm with you, John. With the way uh, we've been playing lately, Adu, do you kind of worry when we he gets to face bigger men or better big men in the tournament? that he'll kind of revert back kind of like he did earlier against Bob's uh, Purdue team and Kansas. Well, yeah, but to me, D.R. Vall, like, you're only going to run into that in the Elite Eight or Final Four. And, like, if you run into that in the Elite Eight or Final Four, most people will take their chances and still consider this a successful season. It's it's not like any of these smaller schools or any of these schools that are going to be outside the top, you know, one or two or three seeds are going to have those guys. And what I will say about Jonas, and maybe something that gives me as much confidence as anything, is that he has shown, and Rick Barnes has shown, and this offense has shown, they are willing to force feed him against smaller opponents, and he is able to go out there and get you 20 points now. So in the tournament, like last year, for example, I don't think FAU would have been able to beat Tennessee with this version of Jonas Adu. I think he would have had a field day against them if he had gotten every minute that you know Euros was out there wasting. I think Adu comes out with like 12 rebounds, five blocks, and like 18 points. I left him speechless. Appreciate you, D.R. Vaughn. Anything else? <laughs> Sorry, John. Going through a dead area. I'm, I'm going to hop off here. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Thank All you, good. Man. Left him speechless. But, uh, no, I mean, like, I, I do think that – yeah, the, the concerns about Jonas are going to be there against Hunter Dickinson or against this big circus freak, Zach Eady, and his you know traveling band of misfits. But, like, that means you have made the Final Four. And I think every Tennessee fan would look and say, okay, let's roll the dice. Or you're playing Kansas maybe in the Elite Eight or, or whatever. And, by the way, I'm just looking back at his stats because we've all talked about this, about how he's played against the elite bigs. Uh-huh. His Okay, the Purdue game against Edey, um, that was tough. He fouled out early, got in foul trouble. That one was never meant to be. His line against Hunter Dickinson, eight points, 11 boards, three steals, three blocks. I mean, that, I would take that. I mean, that's it's not like he got utterly outplayed by Dickinson. I'm looking at Dickinson's line. Yeah, Dickinson had 17 points and 20 boards. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not about what Jonas did as much as what Dickinson. And, and, and it's also like the box score can tell you one thing. The memories of that game tell you a different. Oh, like, that's and, right. And Tennessee was just outmatched down low and like – yeah, sure. Especially at that time, I think you come out and say, hey, eight points, 11 rebounds. Like, you'll take that from Jonas because he hadn't really shown what he was capable of up until that point. But, like, moving forward, the expectation for him has raised. And I will say he's doing a good job of continuing to be an all SEC type of big man. Like, I mean, he's coming off back to back 19 point games. To me, I think you need more production out of a guy like Awaka instead of Adu. Like, I, I think that yeah. you need more toughness out of him. You need Awaka to not get in foul trouble in the minutes that he has because then I think you're putting a little bit too much pressure on Adu's shoulders in terms of yeah. having to stay in the game for too and, long. And toughness is – I don't think toughness is the problem with Awaka. Yeah. It's harnessing it. True. You know what I mean? 100%. It's like it's a control thing. It's it, that I love his motor, but mm-hmm. he's – to your point, Sam, we talked about it yesterday too. He's got to control the fouls. That's – because if you if you're only getting five to seven minutes from him, that's a problem, total problem. 
that is what worries me the most about March. It, it's not Hunter Dickinson or this big circus freak Zach Eady or, or, or Baycott from North Carolina. It's just the inconsistency in officiating. Like, and it's sad, but I'm sure like every fan base across the country that has a big man feels the same way. I'm sure Purdue fans are worried that you know Zach Eady gets into foul trouble one game. To me, like if if Jonas is all of a sudden getting called for fouls. And Awaka is getting called for fouls. Like, Tennessee's really thin up front. And that could be the difference in a game. And that's what makes the tournament such a cruel mistress is, like, you only get one shot. It's not a best of seven. It's not a best of five. It's a one-and-done situation. But, again, to answer D.R. Vol's question, I am, I am confident in Jonas being the big man we need him to be to get us to the Elite Eight. And to me, that's a good enough statement. To me, that's good enough. Like, does he get outplayed in the Elite Eight or Final Four? Maybe. But I do think the way he has been punishing teams that are overmatched, that he can be maybe Tennessee's second best player and maybe Tennessee's most second consistent offensive threat for a good tournament run. You talk about, well, do you need guards? Do you need bigs? Like, there's a chance Tennessee has both with Connect and, and Jonas. There's a chance they can – Go get you 20 points from from the perimeter and inside. Yeah, you look at those. We were talking about the AP poll earlier and those top seven teams. We talk about Purdue. They got ED. You talk about North Carolina. They have Baycott. We haven't talked about UConn, who's ahead of Tennessee, Tennessee in the rankings. They have Donovan Klingon, who's a, who's a solid center. He's a good big man. So all these teams have good big men. Kansas has Dickinson. Houston does not. They're more guard forward oriented, but it's like I I agree with you, John. I think if Tennessee can get to the Elite Eight and they're going up against those guys, who's to say Adu can't have a great game? And let's not base it on the history, but if it if it happens, it happens. It's it's gonna be deep in the tournament where that's gonna be a problem if it shows up at all. That that's where I'm at too. Yeah. And I he's he's earned my confidence that he can punish overmatched teams and again, like I think this version of Jonas wins you the FAU game last year and gets you to the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's interesting. And then you probably beat Kansas State, too, and get to the Final Four. Yeah. That's right. FAU's center was a lot of had a lot of Euros in him, basically. Yeah, it, it was, was a big goon, and like everyone else was small, and like I, I think Tennessee would have exploited matchups, and I think that this, this version of, of Jonas punishes them, and he comes out with a big game like he did against Alabama, and he protects the rim, and you don't have to worry about getting punked down low. Hour two in the books. Hour three, we will kick it off with Grant Ramey, VolQuest, talking some hoops, talking some Tennessee football. Stick with us. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.